Hello and welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. I'm Tony Clark, your host. I've got a special guest on the program today, and his name is Rob Shepard. Now, Rob is the pastor of Next Level Church in Yorktown, Virginia. He's also the author of a brand new book. Now, the book is called When Offense Knocks, Get Offended Less to Change the World. Rob can be found, and all of his materials can be found at robshep.com, and that's R-O-B-S-H-E-P.com. And I'll provide all of Rob's links below the video as well. But Rob, without further ado, welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. Thank you so much, Tony. I appreciate being on here, and it's an honor for you to share your platform with me. Absolutely. I, I, was, I found out about you uh, through some other folks, and they told me to check out what you do and check out your book. And uh, it's, it's very intriguing to me. Um, so this brand new book that you've got, let's start with that. When Offense yeah. Knocks, Get Offended Less to Change the World. Yeah. What was the, uh, what was the premise behind this? Why did you feel that you had to write this book? Yeah. So for me, it started in 2020. As we all know, the world fell apart and the pandemic closed everything down. And so what I found as a pastor is that, um, church people, Christians, had more time on their hands. And because of that, they were watching more political news channels and spending more time online. And we've always had political division. My whole lifetime, there's been political division. But in 2020, it felt like it ramped up. And when the world started to open back up and we were trying to come back to have in-person services, what I found is that anyone that had spent a lot of time uh, just consuming political news um, was just highly offended uh, anytime someone didn't do exactly what their party was was saying that you should do. Um, and so I don't view myself as a uh, I'm not a real political person. Like I, I follow enough to know who to vote for or, and you know, after I pray about it. But I, I don't watch a lot of political news. But we tried to come back and just found like we were upsetting everyone. We were upsetting both sides. Um, you know, there were people that were upset because uh, we came back too soon. And then there were other people who said, you know, we didn't come back soon enough. We upset people because, um, you know, we were trying to follow the CDC guidelines. We'd never been through a worldwide pandemic. And so we're trusting, you know, what they say. And so they said to wear masks. So we asked our people, hey, if you come in person, wear a mask. And we upset people for wearing masks. And then things started to change after we'd been back for a couple months. And we said, hey, masks are optional now. And we upset the other side who were like, what do you mean masks are optional? Everyone should wear masks. And like literally just felt like every decision we were upsetting someone and we were like, we're just doing the best that we can. Like, we're not trying to upset anyone. I don't even know the talking points of your political party. So I'm not intentionally trying to, you know, upset you. Um, but it just felt like offense was everywhere. And so going through that in 2020, I said, I don't know of a lot of resources out there that are helping Christians know how to manage their offense. And so there may be someone else that is a better writer or someone else that can better address it, but I don't know of a resource, so I want to provide one. I want to provide something for Christians to say, hey, when you get offended, here's a guide to help you navigate that, to do it in a way that still honors Christ. And, and Rob, the, just listening to that, the sad thing to me is uh, you're talking about divisions, you're talking about uh, folks fighting amongst one another. You're not talking about the world, you're talking about the church of Christ, right? The, the yeah. church of Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's sad. Can you speak about that just a little bit? Oh yeah. It, 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 it it's really sad. Um, and I, I think, I think what it shows is that 
anytime you add something to Christianity, um, it becomes a new form of Christianity, and it takes away from what Christianity is. You cannot have, Christianity is a noun, so if you add anything to it, um, if you add, uh, you know, I'm a Republican Christian, or I'm a Democrat Christian, or, you know, I'm, I'm a white Christian, or a black Christian, or I'm a conservative Christian, whenever you add something to it, it changes the foundational meaning of what that is. And once it does that, you start to change what your allegiance is to. Um, and what I have seen is that as people are consuming less and less of the Bible and consuming more and more politics, they are having a form of Christianity where they say, I believe in God, but I believe in a God that also votes like I do. And I believe in a God that also aligns with my political party. And the thought of reaching across a political line and loving someone that votes differently than you uh, that's like absurd to some people. And it's like, okay, hold on. If you get back to the actual Bible, there's commands that says, hey, even those people you disagree with, those are people Jesus died for. And we should be trying to win and influence over, not setting up party lines and, and, and having division against them. Yeah. And one of my fr favorite phrases of all time, I'm not sure the, the author, I think that's debatable, but it goes like this, and, and you know this better than I as a pastor, in essentials, unity, and non-essentials, freedom, but in all, all things, love. Yeah. And those essential, those core issues of the Christian faith, uh, we definitely have to agree on, but those non-essentials, we can disagree, but we should love one another. Yep, 100%. Yeah, and there's a, there's a chapter of the book where I address that very thing, that one of the issues that we as Christians can get into is we make non-essentials essentials. And so, um, you know, throughout the years, and I give some examples of this in the book, but like, um, you know, things like, should kids be in the sanctuary with adults? Or should kids be in their own age-appropriate teaching? Okay, there's no Bible verse to tell us what to do with that. So it's left for each church to decide. And so some churches have made the decision, we want all families together in the same room. Some churches have said, no, we want kids out of the room so adults can pay attention. That's not a primary issue. That's not a sin issue. That's a preference. And it's okay to have preferences. If you want one of those things, find a church that supports that. But often what happens is we take something like that that's a preference and we turn it into a primary issue and we start fighting about it and saying, well, those people that don't do it like I do, they're wrong. And it's like, hold on, no, 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 they're, this isn't a sin issue. This is a preference issue. I'm curious in your research for the book and just in your own experience, uh, being a pastor of a church, did you have you come across other pastors that are struggling with the same things that you did through this whole mess of COVID? Um, yes, I, I, I have. Um, one thing I have not experienced, um, not everyone has experienced it to the degree that we did. One of the things that I absolutely loved about our church is before the pandemic, there were weeks where I could look out and sitting in the same row was someone who I know voted uh, one way and it was far on, on that degree. And sitting next to them was someone who voted for the opposite party and they were far on that degree. And if you were to, you know, to, to tell 100 people that these two people went to church together, all 100 of them would say, there's no way. Their only thing that kept them in common was Jesus and that they, you know, they love Jesus and we're trying to learn with that. A lot of churches I have found tend to lean one way or another politically. And so the churches that lean more, uh, you know, conservative, they gathered more conservative people. The churches that tend to lean a little bit more uh, to the left gathered that group. 
Um, and I have not met as many pastors who saw people just split, take sides, but um, I have experienced it and seen there have, there definitely have been pastors who have stories similar to ours. I'm curious without giving the book away and, and I yeah. encourage folks that are listening to this and what maybe watching the, the interview as well, uh, order the book. Uh, you can go to Rob's website to do that as well. Um, and a, again, his his website is robshep.com. That's R-O-B-S-H-E-P.com. Um, but it, give, give us some building blocks, I, I guess, Rob, and, and, and some maybe solutions that you've found to, to, to build bridges instead of burning those bridges down within the body of Christ. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great question. Thank you for, for asking that one. So you know, one of the things that I try to cover in this book is that I'm not sure we're ever going to completely get rid of offense. I just don't know if it's possible. We're broken human beings. We're all sinful. I don't know if it's possible. But I do think that it's possible that when you get offended, we can handle it in a mature way and in a way that doesn't push the other side away. And one of the strategies that I offer in this book is that as Christians, we need to learn to put people over the offense. And what I mean by that is if you're my brother in Christ and you offend me, the first thing I need to hold on to is that, no, Tony and I have a bond over Jesus. We may disagree of this on, a, on an issue, but I'm not going to do something that throws away the relationship because we disagree. Let's put the relationship first. Let's have a conversation. Um, and what I've found often in, in church circles is when someone gets offended, they either attack the other side or they ghost the other side. And they either attack, which doesn't the other person doesn't receive that well, or they just disappear because they're like, you offended me and I'm gone. And I would say neither of those puts the relationship first. We can have hard conversations. We can discuss things that we disagree with. But when we need to put the relationship first, meaning we need to prioritize, hey, I love you. You're a friend. We have history together. You know, we, we've done life together. I'm going to put that first and then hope we can work through this offense instead of just reacting to the offense and either blasting you or just running away. Yeah, and Rob, what I'm getting from uh, listening to you is, and in, 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 in your book as well, um, is that you look outside, it's a dark world, and it's not getting any brighter. No. And it, it seems like we as the church, we need to con maintain those bridges, maintain that unity uh, in, in, instead of division. Um, but it, it seems like this message is more vital now than it has certainly been in, in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I would agree. And I, I think that all came in 2020 with people drawing sides. And the the political division is just it's just massive to where it's now it feels like you can't be friends with someone that votes differently than you. And uh, that division, I think that's where Christianity has a has an opportunity to shine because we come in and say, oh, hold on, you can have a relationship with someone that's different than you. You can love someone that's different than you. You can disagree and still be friends with someone. It doesn't mean you throw away your convictions. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to compromise what you believe. You can hold firmly to your convictions, but the love of Christ compels us to love those that are different than us. Yeah, let's step away from the book for for just a few moments, and we'll yeah. circle back to it in a few minutes. But sure. I... It's my understanding you're you've got a channel or a, a platform on uh, the platform called TikTok. Yeah. Can you tell me how did how did that get started? And you've also got quite a following, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that did not start intentionally at all. 
uh, I do love social media, and uh, I'm very active on social media. If anyone watching this uh, would would like to follow me, I I'm mainly on uh, Facebook and Instagram, and uh, now TikTok. Um, but in 2020, when the world shut down, I started seeing uh, people share these TikTok videos, and I didn't understand them. I thought it was weird. They were doing dances and doing these little games, and I was like, "What is this app?" Like, but I just kept seeing them and I was bored. Like everything shut down. Like I was, I was at home more, um, just, you know, spending more time on my phone. And so I downloaded TikTok and for about a week, I just watched videos and it started with like five minutes. And I was like, this is dumb. I don't, I don't like this app. And then the next day, for some reason I opened it again and I was like, oh, this is mildly entertaining. And by the end of the week, I was like, you know what? I think I want to make some of these videos. And so the next week, I just started, uh, I just dipped my toe into it and made a silly video. And uh, through a lot of trial and error, I ended up finding an audience. And uh, the most fun thing for me is uh, what really brought a huge audience to, to my platform was my family started making TikToks with me. And so it's become a fun bonding thing where we make uh, these silly games or do videos together. And uh, for some reason, it's connected with people. And so uh, you know, three years on the app, um, and we now have 156,000 followers, and uh, it's just been, uh, we've been sponsored multiple times by by companies, and it's just been a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I definitely need to check that out, and, and, I, and I guess I've been hesitant to even uh, look in that area because there's so much, you know, controversy and, and, and so forth, but it, it seems like, I, I'm just guessing here, that uh, we as the the body of Christ, we need to reach out on new platforms and discover new ways possibly to reach folks that are much younger than us. Can you, can yeah. you speak to that a little bit? Oh, yeah, 100%. So the stats of how many people are on TikTok are astounding. Um, it, it is like over half of the population of the world is on TikTok. Um, that's, that's insane. That's a lot of people. And if you look in, in, in Jesus's day, the gathering place for people was a well. That's If you wanted to meet people, you went to go gather with water. Well, we don't have wells anymore. So where's the gathering place where everyone is? Because um, people are going to gather at the well that may not gather at your church. And so we need to find what are those wells today? Well, it's not the mall anymore. Malls are going away. People are doing online shopping. So like, where is it that you can go and just be around people? Well, over half the population is on this app called TikTok. So I think that is and social media. I think that's the new well that um, one people need to see positive influence that where people aren't cussing all the time. Or um, even if you're not a Christian TikToker, just being positive, we, we need that. We need people to shine bright and, and point other people to, to, to Jesus. Um, but it is the place where people are. And it's been amazing to me that I now have friends. I never thought this would have happened, but I now have friends from all across America that I have their cell phone number that we text and we all met through this app called TikTok. Um, I've never met them in person, but yet I consider them my friends. So it is a place where you can connect and gather. It's just like anything else. You got to be careful. Um, my kids uh, only watch TikTok with us as parents and we have restrictions on what they can be on and, uh, and, and the videos that they watch. And we're very careful with it because just like anything, there's a lot of trash out there. Um, but just because there's trash, I don't think that means that Christians should abandon it. We need to redeem it. We need to to, to point people to Jesus and, and help. Um, and we can do that when, when we stay active on, on an app like TikTok. 
Yeah, and, and that that begs a question here. It it, it and question for me is, uh, well, let me let me just uh, try to try to flesh this out a little bit. It seems like we as the church we've um, abandoned the arts. We've yeah. abandoned many times social media, new platforms, and it's it 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 seems like to me there there need to be more people of faith in Hollywood. There need need to be more people of faith in the arts, mm-hmm. in in music. In, in universities and in, in yeah. politicians, all of those things. But we tend to shy away from those things. Why, why do you think that is? I, I, I think my theory would be that it's because of fear, that um, we are, humans are just fearful creatures. And even though there's tons of verses in the Bible that tell us to fear not, uh, we're still human. And so I think a lot of Christians are just afraid. We see something that is dark or we see something that has potential to be used by by the devil, and we flee and we run away. Um, but something that influenced me greatly is uh, there. There's a, a song from the '70s. It, it came out before I was even born. But the song, I believe, it's by an artist named Larry Norman, and he sings, "Why should the devil have all the good music?" And um, I learned about that song later in the '80s. But listening to bands like DC Talk, they reference that song, "Why should the devil have all the good music?" And it really influenced me to say, "Okay." Since the beginning of time, the devil has been stealing things from God. Music was not the devil's idea. It was God's idea. So if there's trash music out there, it's because the devil stole something good from God. Um, Even things like sex, it's constantly being stolen by the devil. God has a plan for it, and it's to be in marriage. And, you know, that's God's idea. Satan keeps stealing it and, and trying to pervert it. So there's so many things in this world that Satan has stolen. And I say, well, as Christians, let's steal it back. Let's take it back. Why are we going to let him win? Like, I'm not, I don't want to sit down and just let the enemy win. Let's fight back. And if it was God's originally, let's redeem it. Let's take it back and, and use it for the glory of God. So I am with you in that. I think we need more Christians to make movies and television shows and uh, write books and more Christians that are making good, clean content on social media, because uh, I do think there's a large audience out there that needs it. Let's let's deviate just a little bit. Now you are a pastor at a church in in Virginia. Um, what's how how in the world did you get to be a pastor? Can you give me a just kind of a, a brief story about uh, the calling that you had to do that? Yeah. So uh, it, I've been a pastor for a really long time. Um, but if you would have asked me when I was in in high school, you know, hey, will you end up being a pastor? I would have said no way. Um, for me, it, it all started with uh, my my sophomore year of high school going into my junior year. I went to a summer camp and uh, it was the, the activities were fun, but the speaker was boring as all get out. And I didn't pay attention to anything he said. Um, I can't tell you a single sermon he gave. I can't tell you a single verse. I literally slept through every single one of his sessions, uh, which is immature on my part. But it's just the way that it happened. The very last night of camp, I literally am sitting like this, pretending to pray because I'm so tired, and I just sleep through his whole entire session. And at the end, all of a sudden, I wake up, and I hear him say, if you feel like God's calling you to ministry, I want you to come down front right now. And I did not hear an audible voice, but it was just a a voice in my, my soul that said, this is what I want you to do with the rest of your life. And I said, no way, I do not want to do that. But it was such a compelling feeling. Like I gripped the bottom of of my chair and I was like, I just feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. 
but I was afraid and I didn't want, I didn't want to do that. Um, I, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Um, and so uh, I had no, I had no desire to, to do this whole ministry thing. Um, over the next year, uh, as a junior in high school now, um, I just continue to feel God's pull. And um, midway through my junior year of high school, I had an opportunity to preach to my youth group. And we had a pretty good-sized youth group. There was over 100 students. And uh, I was a nervous wreck. And I don't recommend anyone doing this. I was, a, I was a, still a kid. <laughs> so I'm not saying this is the wise thing to do. But I got alone with God, and I said, Okay, God, they've asked me to preach, and I don't know what I'm doing. If I get up and people listen and I connect with them, then I know that voice that I'm hearing is from you and I'm called to ministry. But if I get up and embarrass myself in front of my peers and my friends, then I know that voice is not from you. And uh, I got up and I probably gave a horrible uh, sermon. I'm sure my seminary professors would have destroyed it, but people listened and they were engaged and uh, you know they, they enjoyed listening to, to the sermon. And so from that point, it just was confirmation. Okay, this is what I'm what I'm called to do. And uh, from there, I jumped right into started teaching uh, sixth grade boys Sunday school, and then uh, ended up going to Bible college at Liberty University, and then eventually went to uh, seminary in Texas, and uh, have been uh, part of, of the church and on church staff ever since. Oh well, that's that's quite a journey. Do you have a just in your own words? Do you have a vision for your church? Yeah, so the the mission statement is to love Jesus, love people, and, and make a difference. And uh, we come back to that a lot. It's pretty simple. It's pretty basic. You know, a lot of churches have uh, some form of it that's really simple. But it really comes from two different things, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. And they're so great, I don't know why we should change them. And so um, we try to just live that out in everything that we do. If Christians could just focus on really loving God with all their heart, soul, and mind— and if we could learn to love our neighbor like we love ourselves, we would make a difference. And uh, that difference would change the world. Amen. Absolutely. Uh, so, Rob, thank you for that. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah. Your so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm married to, to Monica, and uh, we uh, will have been uh, married for uh, 22 years coming up in August. And uh, we went through uh, 10 years of infertility, and then uh, God blessed us with uh, twins. And uh, so they are now 12 years old, and uh, their names are Reese and Hayden, a boy and a girl. Reese is my daughter, and Hayden is my son. And uh, they're going into seventh grade and uh, loving every every minute of it and take it as a blessing because we, we knew through that struggle of infertility that kids aren't guaranteed to everyone, and it really is a miracle of God. Absolutely. So let's circle back to the book, uh, the brand new book. Uh, do you have, I, I talked about, do you have a vision or, or, you know, a mission statement for your church? Uh, where do you want to see this book go? Uh, what do you want to see happen? At, how, how do you want to see lives changed through reading this book? Yeah, um, really what I want is I want Christians to just think through their strategy for getting offended. Um when we get offended, because offense is a hurt, we often don't don't think about how we respond. We just react to it. You hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you back, or I'm going to give you the silent treatment. But the question is, is, is that effective? It, it, in the way you respond to offense, is it helping people love Jesus? Is it helping people uh, you know, come together? Or is your offense actually pushing other people away? And so we may not be able to change the fact that we're offended, but we can have a strategy that says, okay, 
now that I'm offended, what do I do so that I can, instead of pushing the other side away, I can reach out and, and try to reach the other side? And if I could see even a handful of Christians adopt that and try to do that, especially on social media where there is so much toxicity and so much fighting, if I could see Christians just grab a hold of that and say, look, we're going to try to win the other side over and we're going to try to learn how to disagree and still be friends. If I could see even a handful of people do that, I, I would feel like I succeeded. You know, it's funny you mentioned social media and in my social media, uh, so many times I struggle with, I, I really want to post this because it nails the other side or yeah. it nails what's going on in our community. The the folks that are, you know, it, it's like a, it's like a hammer and I really want to post it and I get ready to post it. And it's like the Holy Spirit kicks in and says, is this, is this helpful? Is yeah. this a yeah. witness for Christ? And of yeah. course the answer is no, it's, it's a witness for my flesh, That's but right. not for the spirit. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I love that the Holy Spirit gives you that check because either people aren't listening to it or he's not giving it to everyone because there's a lot of Christians who do make that post. And that's where my book comes in to say, okay, if you make that post, is it really effective? Because I know for me, when someone makes a post that's making fun of Christianity or, or it's trying to be one of those gotcha things, you know, where someone just posts something and it's, it's a meme and it's like, gotcha, see you Christians, you're all selfish. And it, whenever someone posts that, it never changes my opinion. Um, and I don't see in the comments that it changes anyone else's opinion. All it does is gather people that already agree, and they say, you're right. And then it, those that disagree get on, and they say, no, you're wrong. And then there's fighting that happens. And so if posting that doesn't win the other side over, then let's wrestle with our strategy. Okay, if that doesn't work, what's another way to actually win them over? So good advice, good advice, and and you can certainly find that in in Rob's newest book. Now you've you've written some other books as well. Can you speak about those? Yeah. So uh, yeah, this is my fourth book, and uh, the first one I wrote uh, way back in like 2012, and it's called "Even If You Were Perfect, Someone Would Crucify You," and it's a book that uh, started off with uh, I preached a sermon. And uh, I got an anonymous letter. And at the time, I didn't know that I shouldn't read anonymous letters. I just was excited someone wrote something to me. And I opened up this anonymous letter, and it was four pages of just bashing on my sermon, uh, just uh, back and forth, just over and over again, like the worst sermon they'd ever heard, and just attacking the sermon. And um, I read that letter four times and was just, it was consuming me. I was just like, ah, like I didn't mean to, you know, I didn't mean to offend them, all this kind of stuff. And after I read it the fourth time, I just kind of bowed my head and I heard this still small voice say, even if you preached a perfect sermon, someone would crucify you. And I thought, you know what? You're right. That wasn't a perfect sermon. But even if it was, someone would get mad. And I know my heart and I know my intention and I don't know who this person is. So I'm not going to allow them to define me and I'm not going to allow them to have space in my day. And I balled up that letter and I threw it away. And then that became a phrase that I, I just said often to myself, even if you were perfect, someone would crucify you. And so let's stop trying to please people and let's start pleasing Jesus. And so that's the first book. The second book is called You Misspelled Christian. And uh, it really was birthed out of um, if we're God's people, let's bring heaven to earth. And how do we represent God in a way that uh, really, you know, because that's what Jesus said in his prayer, that um, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're supposed to be doing and praying and living out. And so uh, let's make sure if we are Christians that we represent Jesus well, my third book is called Kill the Jerk, and uh, the subtitle like is, the title. A non 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to put a subtitle in there that says a nonviolent way towards healthy relationships. Uh, cause I want people to, to know I'm not really advocating for killing anyone. Um, but the, the idea of that book, it really started as another book. I was writing a, a book, uh, for, uh, marriage relationships. And one of the chapters was kill the jerk. And as I was writing that chapter, um, it just started to consume me. And the thought that consumed me was we often are better for strangers or people we barely know than we are for the people that are closest to us. And so often we take for, for granted the people that are closest to us and we don't prioritize date nights or we don't prioritize friendships. We just take it for granted. We assume they're always going to be there. And, um, and that is an inner jerk that we all have. And that is a jerk that we need to you know, Jesus said to die to your flesh, to die to yourself. And I think we will struggle to have healthy relationships until we learn how to die to ourselves. And once we die to ourselves and kill that inner jerk, then we can learn to love other other, other people well. And so that's the premise of the book. And it's for not just dating or marriage, it's for any relationship. It'll help you have uh, healthy, healthy relationships. Well, if someone's listening or watching, watching and they want to order one of these books as the best method to go to your website at robshep.com? Yeah, yeah, they are all listed there. And of course, you can get them all on Amazon. You can also get them all barnesandnoble.com. Wherever you order books online, you should be able to get them. But um, I, they are all listed on my website at robshep.com. And there's also a bio. And uh, if anyone's interested to ever bring me in to speak or, or, or to preach, there's information about that as well. Absolutely. I'll provide all of these links below the video. So, Rob, uh, what's on your plate, man? What's what's on your agenda? Yeah. Well, uh, right now uh, it's summertime. And so uh, we're gearing up to take a, a group of students to, to camp next week. And uh, we're really excited about that. And then our church has a whole bunch of summer activities and we're gearing up for that. And uh, I'm taking a little bit of breather from writing because I just... Uh, put out this, uh, this new book, but uh, hoping in the early fall to start writing, uh, on my fifth book. Wow. Well, it sounds like you've got your, your hands full, but yeah. you know, for the folks that are listening, I highly encourage you to order this book. When offense knocks, get offended less to change the world. And my goodness, don't we need that message, uh, in the world today, specifically coming from the body of Christ, which is what we should be doing in the first place. Right. That's right. So, um, so I, I, again, I encourage you to order Rob's book and they can be found at robshop.com. But Rob, I'm going to ask you to hang on just a little bit post interview, but man, yeah. thank you so much for coming on, telling us about your new book and what's going on in your life. And, and again, you've got some great things going on. So thank you so much. Yeah, Tony, thank you so much for sharing your platform and, and let me be a guest on here. Um, I don't take it for granted. I, I, I greatly appreciate that you would you would have me on and that you reached out. Thank you. Well, absolutely. And until next time.